Welcome to Torpid Liver and Other Symptoms of Poor Communication. I am thrilled today to introduce you to my colleague and friend, Michael Nord from Amsterdam. As a thought leader and specialist in the field of engaging people and change and transformation, Michael creates strategic solutions and advises teams across the globe. He is, like me, a strategic communications management professional. We are certified globally. Uh, Michael is a change leader with more than 25 years of global experience in leadership, marketing, PR, corporate and internal communications, employee engagement, change management, and consulting. He is, and I can speak from personal experience, the supreme global networker with tremendous experience in relationship building. Michael has worked on three continents in several countries, and he's fluent in several languages, which you know is amazing to me because I can barely speak English. <laughs> Michael has partnered with C-suite business leaders in energy, B2B, and B2C, as well as enabled technical and HR leaders to engage staff inside, inside organizations. He's got agency experience, including setting up business in European countries, as well as working for small and large local and global organizations. Now, I also called Michael my Danish brother from another mother, as he's originally from Denmark. And I learned several years ago through my own ancestry tracing that I have a fair amount of Danish heritage in my family. And for some reason, I believe that that is in a very small part and why Michael and I clicked when we first met, oh my gosh, almost 10 years ago in Paris. Um, but we connect on a number of levels um, when it comes to strategic communication. And I'm just so pleased that you could join me today, Michael. So welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. And uh, I, I love that you remember that we met in Paris. So I can use the phrase, we will always have Paris, right? <laughs> we did. We're so lucky that we sat down to dinner together. And yeah, and the rest is history. It so. is, really is, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's, so let's get started. Um, so today our topic is is change management communication. And I'm, this may be the same way with you. I find many people, including our fellow communication professionals, don't really understand the nuances of change management communication versus other strategic communication and strategic communication plans. So, Michael, let's start with that. How do you define change management communication uh, with your clients and others with whom you work? For me, change management communication is about helping to drive a change or transformation project uh, inside an organization. And that can be anything from large transformation. So that could be organizational change. Uh, it could be um, in the case of mergers and acquisitions when you're bringing on new teams. But it can also be uh, more uh, down to, to the ground where it's about HR or finance or IT change where people inside an organization need to either use a new system, uh, behave in a different way, uh, do something differently. Uh, and that's where change management communication comes into play, working alongside with change managers, which is a, uh, a profession and, and there are organizations and uh, education and certification supporting that. Uh, but often I see that change managers are not quite sure how to do communication. And that's where communications professionals like ourselves come into play. And we do then the change management communication. That absolutely makes sense. Could not agree with you more or that definition. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's move on to my next question. 
when you're helping an organization through change, how do you take into consideration and plan for how the different audiences experience change? So it's all about when you do change is it's the as is and the to be situation inside an organization. You want to look at where are we right now and what's, where do we want to go? And you need to start with the why. Why do we need to go there? Is it because you need new, new IT systems that are um, up, to, to up to date and off the shelf and, and no longer using bespoke? Is it because a um, outside forces like uh, regulatory issues are forcing you to change your HR, your finance? Um, these are, could be forces from in and without uh, an organization. And we need to think about who are the people affected by the change? What do we want them to do in the future? But also, and that's where the whole working with change come in, how do we get them step-by-step step through the change curve? We know there'll be people who are willing and, uh, and understand uh, from the get-go why they need to change and where we're going with it. And there'll be others, laggers, who are reluctant, who don't want to change either because um, they are comfortable doing what they're doing or simply because they don't like change. And, and yes, certain people don't like change. Um, <laughs> I, even know, I even know change managers who don't like change. Um, so it is about thinking, where are we right now? And you do that through focus groups, interviews, conversations, um, uh, analytics. And then you, th you have the, the conversation with the leaders, with those who have created the, uh, the vision, uh, the why. And then you think about how do we get from A to B? So from the current situation to the future state of, of where we want people to be. That's awesome. That's a brilliant explanation. Thank you. And you just, you, in that brilliant explanation, you just answered the next question I was going to ask you. So I'm going to move, I'm going to move on to the next one. So Michael, what's your experience when it comes to employees um, and who they want to hear from um, so that you get the most from a, from a, during a change management process? Does that make sense? Like who yep. do they trust most? Uh, and I know that may depend on the organization, but or, you know, who gets their, their best or fullest attention when they're learning about a major organizational change? I think it's about uh, very clear uh, leadership and it's about very visual leadership. Um, so if you are, let's say, a director of the part of the organization that is changing, or even if you are a CEO of a large organization that's changing, and uh, we can take the examples you, you mentioned that I work, have worked in energy companies. If we look at the world's large oil and gas companies, they're all doing major change at the moment, moving from traditional oil and gas into the future of energy. Uh, and that is a big change inside and outside the organization. Um, and there you need the leader's vision. And those who are doing it really well, uh, they have CEOs who are forefronting it, who are championing it, who are talking inside and outside the organization about why the organization needs to change, what the steps are, and, and where the future lies for the organization. Uh, but you also need to think about influencers. And I've done a lot of work um, with the likes of uh, Mike Klein and, and Jeppe Hartgore from Innovice and Copenhagen, uh, thinking about who are the people inside the organization who actually gets it and who other people listen to. 
uh, and there is a 3% rule that a um, lot of this, um, these kind of listening and influencing uh, systems talk about, and that is that 3% could move 90% of the organization. So when you're doing large change or transformational uh, programs, you need to think about who are the influencers in the organization. And you can, you can, you can simply look at Yammer or other tools and, and see who are the people posting, but you can also do um, a, your research and that could be asking people, who do you trust? Who do you go to for help? And thereby you will identify those people in the organization that people listen to. So I think you need both. You need that very clear, strong leadership talking about the vision, talking about, we know this is gonna to be tough, but this is what's coming out at the end and we want you to be part of it. But at the same time, you need those ninjas on the ground working behind the scenes, talking to people, having conversations uh, in, in meetings, but also having conversation at the water cooler or in the, in the coffee shop. Um, but people who not necessarily are your ambassadors because when you make them ambassadors, they become very formal. They are your informal, and, and I really like the word ninjas, which is a coin, we've, we phrased this, um, through my previous uh, employer, uh, Fifth Business, where we looked at this opportunity and we thought what they really are, are ninjas of opinion. And we talked about uh, in, in presentations and, and I also presented together with Mike and Yeber at a few world conferences about this topic. So I think you need both. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I love the the thought of influencers. And I know in my own work, in previous lives, I've worked in university relations and university relations marketing for organizations trying to attract top talent. And I've said to people in organizations multiple times, I'm like, look, we can do all the things in the world, but the employees who run into a potential candidate at a grocery store or same thing, coffee shop. And, you know, the example I use is perhaps they're wearing a, you know, your employees wearing a t-shirt from some charity event that your company was involved with. And the person in line behind them says, oh, hey, I see you work for Acme Corporation. I just applied there. What is it like there? What's it like to work yeah. there? And yep. that person, when they turn around and answer the question, is going to do more to influence whether that person want to work for, you, work for your company than anything you could do formally. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, totally. it's, it's funny you mentioned this because my background, and you, you mentioned earlier, is PR and, and marketing. Um, and when I did PR back in the 90s uh, in Scandinavia, we realize that when you do PR, um, it's because people trust a newspaper more than they trust an advertising. Um, so yes, you do advertising, but you do you have to get your brand and your 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 product out there. But what actually makes people move and buy your product is when they either hear it from a family member, from a colleague, or from a neighbor. They see a neighbor bought a new car, they're going to go over and ask, uh, "So what's this? What's this brand like?" And if they hear positive stories, they will yes. think about buying that car. And that's when you do all these things in, in marketing and public relations. You need to get the word out there to people uh, and help people understand uh, they actually become ambassadors without even thinking or wanting to be. They become ambassadors of your brand. Uh, that also means that if they have a bad experience, they will go and, and ditch your brand uh, and talk badly about it. So you really need to be on the forefront and knowing who those influencers, ambassadors are. 
Yeah, uh, and it yeah. and it, I've, I've found that it takes a long time to build that up, and all it takes is somebody who's very vocal and consistent, and loud, <laughs> to to erode that trust. Like, Absolutely. Boom, like yeah, and, and you you described the perfect example because I'm I'm an admitted shopaholic. And I was an early adopter of online shopping before everybody else got on the game. And I would, you know, if I were on Amazon, for example, I didn't even read the product specifications. I'd read the other reviews. Yeah. And that would tell me more about whether I was going to, you know, purchase that product than anything else that I would read. Which, so I, I definitely believe in the power of that. Um, no, I, 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 absolutely. And, and I think that if we look at the past 15 years, how the world has changed, um, that we are actually whether we buy a travel, whether we uh, book a hotel, or, or we buy a product online, we look at the reviews and we're influenced by the reviews. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm so happy to see that some of these online services now are taking it seriously, that there are fake reviews out there and getting rid of them. And yes. the EU has now said uh, from 1st of January, it will be illegal to place uh, fake reviews. Uh, so that means wow. that the authorities will have the right to, to, to really remove fake reviews because there are people out there who create fake reviews, either in the benefits of their own company or in the benefits of, of someone in their family or friends. Um, well, so, yeah. And, and what you're describing, employees can do that too. Exactly. They can go onto, on, onto any site that gives reviews about a particular employer. Yep. So, you know, what you were describing with the change process is is critical. Absolutely. Like how you engage them. Yeah. So I've got I've got one final question for you. Actually, a couple, but <laughs> that's OK. <laughs> so when I started this podcast in 2020, it had a different name. Uh, and, and the podcast was about addressing fears that hold people back from making the most of their lives and their careers. And over time, obviously, the podcast morphed into Torpid Liver because it was a funny name and there's a history to it. But it's also about what I know best, which is strategic communication. So as a nod to the original podcast, I like to ask my guests a question about overcoming fear with their audiences. So in your experience, Michael, what fears have you seen either in leaders or employees when it comes to change? I mean, obviously we've talked, you know, people don't like change, but what other fears that have you seen that have either manifested themselves or things that you need to overcome as you're planning communication for a, for a change management process? I, I see the fear of social media and I, I don't mean external social media like Facebook and LinkedIn, but I see the internal social media in organization like uh, Workbook or Yammer or Teams mm -hmm. uh, that leaders are afraid uh, to be the one posting and they often ask their communicator to post, which yes. I, I, I find a big mistake uh, because they are afraid that they suddenly get a... Um, dozens or hundreds of, of, of comments and questions, and some of them, of course, could be negative. But instead, think about here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to communicate, to listen to, and to engage with uh, employees in the organization. And I remember a CEO that I was um, traveling with to a conference in, in Paris, and there's Paris again. Um, <laughs> And uh, he was giving a very important speech um, at a supplier's venue um, and hundreds of people in the room. His uh, biggest competitor had just spoken before him and he asked me to take a picture while he was speaking. We had created these marvelous uh, big, big pictures. They weren't slides, they were pictures talking about the story he was telling about. And afterwards I showed him the pictures and he asked me, could you post them on Yammer? And I said, no. 
And he looked at me as if, what? <laughs> I said, no, I think, and I, I, I explained it to him. I think you should post it. I'll send it to you and you post it on Yammer. And I'll bet you, you get much more attention than I will if I post them. Absolutely. Because, and he did. And it actually became, uh, I, I went back to his, I wasn't his communications manager, I was just in his support team. Uh, but I went went back to my boss at, at the energy company and uh, and we created a Yammer channel just for him. And he loves it. He does it every day. He, he when he goes on, tours which he did before COVID. he's starting now slowly again but when he did it before COVID, he would do little selfie uh, pictures with the people he met he would do little videos with people he met and he realized the energy and the engagement it created inside so yes. i would say to to leaders and i think that we're seeing a new generation of leaders in the boardroom a generation that's not afraid of computers and that's not afraid of social media uh, they are keen to get started. They just don't know how. Um, and that's where your communications expert and, and professional comes in to support you. Uh, but um, I would say, go for it. Yeah, I, I love that because it's so much more authentic and it gives employees a sense that they're making at least a virtual connection directly with that leader in ways that they've never had before. So feeling more connected to the mission of the organization and in times of change or in times of trouble, I believe, and I've seen it happen, those people are more likely to say, yep, I'm on the train. I will, I will take your direction. I'm, I'm, uh, let's do mm -hmm. this. No, absolutely. And, yeah. and as a leader, you can always, if you get a tricky question, you can always say, we are looking into it and I will come back once we have done the, the, the research once we've done the due diligence around your question because your question is important and it's important to the to our company um, and it is about tone it is about um, positive vibes it is about being out there um, so yes i would say to leaders go for it that's great that is awesome what a wonderful way to wrap up this conversation Michael, I am I'm so grateful that you took the time to to spend with me today because um, this is such an important topic. It always is, but it is especially right now with all we've been through over the past 18 months. I can't believe we're coming up. Yeah, before we know it, it'll be two years since we started this. It, it is two program. years since this started in China, right? So uh, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah, wow. Well, so before we wrap up, um, since you've been so kind to do this. Um, how can my listeners reach you if they're interested in talking to you about consulting, about change management communication? How's the best way to reach you? Either through LinkedIn, uh, Michael North, um, and just look for the one there's, there are a number of Michael Norths out there, but I'm okay. the one in Amsterdam. Uh, yes. Or you can find me on Twitter, mnordnl. So yes. uh, mnordnl on Twitter. Um, and I always reply. So uh, yes, look forward to more engagement and more communication. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Um, all right. With that, um, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Um, also a reminder that um, in addition to wherever you find your podcasts, um, you can go to my site where I archive these episodes. And of course, it's torpidliver.com. And if you have a question about this episode or any episode, or you'd like to suggest future topics, um, there's a little chat feature or a little question feature on the bottom right-hand corner of my site. If you'll just click on that and send the question, I will respond to you promptly. And your ideas uh, may be featured on a future episode. So until then, 
Thank you for joining us. Stay safe and be well.